This is the Frontline Ready Podcast by Healing Acres, Inc. First responder and other frontline worker career fields all come with stressors that can make coping and work-life balance difficult. We will explore these career fields with peer guests and other professionals and look at the many options available to help with coping and overall wellness. While this podcast will have an optimistic and positive outlook toward the future of frontline coping and wellness, it is possible the topics discussed may trigger emotional reactions. Please take a moment to consider what supports or resources you have available should you need it while listening to this podcast. There's also a list of resources on our website, www.healingacres.world, if you need them. Just click on the resources tab. Please enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Front Frontline Ready podcast. Uh, today's title is Maximum Perfusion. I'm Adam Anderson, host of the Frontline Ready podcast, and today we have guest Dr. Andrew Beaumont here to talk about the medical side of what perfusion is. Uh, if you haven't heard the term perfusion, it's uh, very interesting, and I actually heard the term the first time in an EMR training, but I'll talk more about that later. I will let Dr. Beaumont introduce himself and his background now. Yeah, well, uh, good morning, Adam. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, my background, so I'm a, a neurosurgeon uh, by day, um, working with, with brain and spine problems. And um, I, a number of years ago, I, I started to realize that I think that uh, traditional modern medicine might be missing some elements about health and wellness. And so I began exploring other avenues. Uh, and one of those avenues led me to yoga. And I trained as a, a yoga teacher initially and then became a yoga therapist. And so I, I kind of used those tools in parallel with, you know, more traditional uh, medical approaches. And I did some other trainings too. I became uh, licensed in acupuncture and things like that. So just trying to bring a holistic uh, viewpoint to, to medical care. Um, so yeah, that's been my, uh, my story. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, acupuncture really intrigues me as well. I, I have actually never had it done, but, uh, having been really interested in meditation and martial arts and yoga myself for so long, I've, you know, and whether or not people believe in chi energy or whatever you want to call it, the energy that flows through the body, I've, I've always found it interesting. And I've found that through years of, you know, doing meditation and stretching even and things like that, you really pay attention. I, I really do feel that people can actually feel that energy eventually once they develop yeah. it. You know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. These, these traditions have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. So there has to be some truth to it, whether you, you believe in the story that goes with it or not, but the health benefits and the feeling that you get from these these treatments, um, it's real. Um, you know, you can't you can't deny that. And when you try it and you experience it, you really begin to understand that. So there's there's definite truth there, but the science sometimes we can't always explain it. It just it just works. Yes, that's oh, that's fantastic. Uh so I we're gonna definitely talk more about that later. Uh mm -hmm. It's just so interesting. I could talk for hours about it. Um, I guess let's, so perfusion, uh, I first learned that term when I, in my law enforcement career and one of the agencies I worked for, uh, EMS didn't, you know, always get there very quickly. So we had a high elderly population and we also had a lot of recreation, snowmobiling, ATVing, boating, people were injuring themselves all the time. So uh, they liked all the officers to be emergency medical responder certified. So I, of course, went and got emergency medical responder certified. And of course, they talk about just how important the 
circulation of oxygenated blood is throughout the body. And that's, I mean, and they teach you airway breathing circulation. I don't know. Is it breathing airway circulation now? Did they switch that up? I don't know. I think it's still ABC, at least in, in my background. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I mean, that is the most important thing, getting the oxygen throughout the body, right? And that term, they taught the term perfusion and they said, oh, you know, when you check the fingernail beds, it, you know, it does the blood come back in there quickly or mm -hmm. checking to see if the body is pumping this oxygenated blood through the, you know, throughout the body and how important that is. And I don't know, during, when I learned that, I, I've always been interested in, in keeping up with my health and fitness the best I can, eating well. And it, it just kind of connected in my brain. That's why I'm doing this is so that I, that my body can be efficient at transporting oxygen and nutrients throughout the body. And like, I just got this idea in my head, like I'm going for maximum perfusion. That's, that's what the goal is in, in doing all these things for my health is you want your body to be able to circulate well, and that can lead to better strength and better overall wellness. I mean, so I, I just found that very interesting. That's why I'm really excited to do this episode and talk to you about it and get some medical uh, insight on, on this stuff. Um, so yeah, just so just how important is perfusion in the medical world? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a, a great question, Adam. I think you've really touched on uh, on an important topic and an important topic that um, even some um, medical practitioners perhaps don't fully understand, I think, or appreciate. And that's this idea that you know, yeah, perfusion is important for life, life sustenance in that moment and that trauma. You know, keeping the blood pumping is what keeps that person alive you know, to get to the hospital and then get care. So that's sort of, I guess, stage one, the core basic, just staying alive, elemental perfusion. But when you need good perfusion to heal, you know, that person that's been injured that's now a week out from injury, two weeks out from injury, they still need good perfusion in order to, like, you know, nourish the tissues, lead to healing, and actually get over whatever, you know, this thing that happened to them, illness or injury. And then one step beyond that, we, we we have to have good blood flow to heal, but we have to have good blood flow for continued daily health. So every every part of our body, every organ, every tissue needs good blood flow to stay healthy. So that extends to not just muscles for good muscle health and being you know fit like that, but it's um it's the blood flow to the gut, for example, for good gut function. You know we need to absorb food and process it appropriately. That makes our tissues healthy, right? Um, so you need good blood flow, flow to the gut. You need good blood flow for a good immune system to react to those daily exposures to you know, infections that, that we don't even know. Our body just fights them off. You only know when you get sick. But you know, for every time you get sick, you probably foot it off 10, 15, 20 times. That needed good blood flow. Um, it's for hormone health. You know, there's these signals running around the body that sort of keep our, our tissues nourished and, and well, the thyroid gland, the adrenal glands, um, they all, all do important functions, but those chemicals are moving around the body by blood flow, by perfusion. So you need that, that perfusion for that. Um, you can extend it to any aspect of our, our daily health and wellness, and blood flow is a, is a critical part of that. But what's interesting is going beyond, one step beyond that, um, it's, it's about appropriate blood flow. So there's this idea of homeostasis in the body. The, the, the body actually has to regulate itself and demand the appropriate amount of blood flow. So silly example, um, if you're, we're just sitting chatting. We don't need a whole load of blood flow into our thigh muscles. 
Okay, but if I, you know, said stand up and, you know, do some deadlifts for me, now all of a sudden you're going to need a lot of blood flow in those thigh muscles. So the body reacts to that. It delivers the right amount of blood at the right time. And the wrong amount of blood at the wrong time, even in the opposite direction, too much blood flow can sometimes be damaging. So that would be inflammation. You know, if you crack your thumb with a hammer and look at it and it's all red and swollen, that's inflamed. That's really kind of too much blood flow, potentially. And that can sort of be damaging. So this idea of the body regulating its needs and, uh, and, and being able to use the tools to keep itself healthy is, I think, core. It's, core, uh, it's the core feature of daily health and wellness. Oh, that's great. That was great. Um, and, I, and I think that speaks a lot to being proactive instead of reactive. Uh, and especially in frontline career fields where we're we're dealing with stressful events daily, mm -hmm. uh, in many of the frontline first responder career fields, you're going from sitting around zero to bam, time to move, got to go, you know, running, adrenaline, blood pumping, and sometimes you need that that good circulation. And I I think what you have just said really is motivational in taking a proactive approach daily to uh, increasing your body's function and, and being more efficient at delivering the right amount of blood at the right times. And <laughs> right. No, exactly. You, you raise a great point um, for what, what I think is unique about frontline responders and the risks that they face to their own health. Um, and that is this idea of going from zero to hundred miles an hour in a moment uh, with activity levels. Um, you know, if you take any, any athlete, look at the Olympic teams, the, the, the way they train. Do any of them go out and perform at 100% of their function instantly? You know, get off a bus, a coach, and just get out and sprint? No, they warm up. They prepare. You know, they're in this sort of training mode, and they prepare their bodies for that thing. Well, frontline responders don't have that luxury. You know, you're, you're in a rig, you're driving to a scene, you know, moving very little, and have to get out and suddenly respond. And that's an incredible strain on the body. Um, and so the, the need for good blood flow and, and that, that improved health and wellness is so much more critical, I think, for, for you guys as, as a group than, than really anybody else. Um, and and it's, it's so often forgotten, that, that idea of, of the, the extra strain on the body and, and ways to, to help that and help the body through it. Uh, it. Again, people sort of forget about it. And I think that that leads to a lot of health risks and first responders suffer because of that. Definitely. Um, and, and it's, and that's the other thing it's, it's so oftentimes there's not a lot of time to prepare a meal while you're working or, you know, while you're working, maybe you have a busy life. Otherwise, uh, I do plan in the future on doing an, an entire episode on efficient ways to prepare, you know, meals that are healthier that you can just bring to work that maybe don't take a whole lot of time to prepare at home. Even if you have a busy life outside of work, uh, you know, just some strategies to, increase the amount of healthy foods you can snack on while you're in these busy, stressful jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be very hard. And, but, but the importance of it is, is, is so great that I'm hoping, you know, to, with this podcast to, to motivate people to say, Hey, you know what? It is extremely important for me to increase my body's ability to perform. Uh, and a lot of us, you know, in the frontline career fields, we really take pride in our work and we want to, we want to be good at it. And we want to be able to do as much of it as we can deal with the, the high demands of caseloads. You know, often we have more work than we can do as one person. And in order to even do that amount of work and deal with the caseloads we deal with, 
to, to just have the blood flow uh, and, you know, even to the brain to, you know, cause you're doing a lot of thinking, you're doing a lot of processing uh, and, and that's not going to be as efficient or you're not going to be as good at it. If you're, if you're not flowing, you know, your the oxygen's not getting there. Right. Uh, yeah. No, no, again, a really good point that you raise. I mean, the, um, we're starting to understand more and more now about brain blood flow and, and how that works. And, you know, you can, we can scan people's brain blood flow in the moment uh, and look at that. And we know what the resting brain, a normal, healthy brain should look like. And we understand that in, uh, I want to say disease states, but people who are suffering mental health issues, whether it be anxiety, depression, um, problems like that, PTSD, their brain blood flow is different. Um, and that's one of the features. And so if you can harness ways to make your brain blood flow healthier, you, it, it can only help blunt or offset some of those um, features. And again, I mean, I think we all know that in frontline responders, over time, that continued stress response, the continued need to respond in the moment, and, and some of the horrific things that you deal and see, with, you know, see, uh, can start to lead to you know mental health problems, whether they be recognised or admitted or not, and that's a whole other story. But but blood flow is an important part of that, and healthy blood flow is a way you can help prevent going down darker pathways. Yeah, thank you for that. That's amazing, and I I actually have an interesting question for you. Uh, so after I had done, you know, maybe four or five years down, I was in South Carolina in a very busy, stressful, <laughs> high crime area, a lot of adrenaline pumping. You know, I, I went to an eye doctor because I have glasses, of course, and they, they took a picture of, you know, retina or whatever they take a picture of. And the doctor said, do you, do you work in a high stress career field? And, you know, I didn't, he didn't know I was in law enforcement. He's, and I said, well, yeah, you know, I do. And he's like, well, that's typical of what I'm seeing in the, the veins in your eyes. Cause he said they were a little bit crooked. And he said, that's from adrenaline and it changes the shape of the veins in the eyes or, or whatever they are in there. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that, 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 that window to the brain because, you know, the back of the eyes is, is directly linked to the brain. So that's a really cool thing that he picked up on for sure. Isn't that interesting? And it, wow. and I think that's it's important to know that our bodies are so affected by these jobs. Mm -hmm. And even at that level, he's seeing that in the veins in my eyes. So your whole body is affected by the stress of this job. So I think it's so important to, to work on eating well, increasing your perfusion, mm -hmm. and just having the health and the ability to respond uh, in a better way. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I have noted here to talk about everybody is different, right? And their, their bodies are different and what each individual needs is different, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Like what's good for me to eat and my, you know, exercise and do, it might not be good for somebody else, right? right. Because of their history, because of their family history, what's going on with their body, whether they have troubles uh, with blood pressure or, um, regulating sugars or, you know, diabetes. And there's so many of these fads out there and these foods that are, that people are trying to sell and say, if you take this, you're going to be, you're going to be just fine. It's going to, you know, cure you and this and that. And it, you know, I've always kind of seen that as, you know, those are people trying to make money. You really need to focus on what's good for you. You have to consider your history, work with your doctor to, to learn what mm -hmm. is going to work for you. So you, don't try to be like everybody else. Learn what's good for you, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
you know, we're learning more and more about the, I guess, the internal workings of the body and how variable that can be. And, and you know, logically, it makes sense. If you put 100 people in a room and look at them, they're all going to look different, right? We're, we're all, you know, some tall, some short, some blonde hair, dark hair. We all have external, you know, variability. Well, we have as much internal variability, and you're absolutely right. Anybody that tries to sell a one, you know, fix for everybody is it is misled it's, it's just not going to work and, and you see that in these fads you know oh let's all do paleo diet you know let's do keto um because it's going to make you you know invincible and and the reality is that for some people that may work and other people absolutely not you know and I, i've experimented you know my own health and wellness with, with a bunch of stuff uh, i guess you know i'm a little bit of a biohacker like that you know let's try things and see what it does and and it's it really interesting you know like keto diet for me is horrible i'm functionless on it and yet other people yeah. say oh my gosh it's the best thing ever you know and they feel wonderful and so you're right we all have different needs and it gets really hard to figure out what is good for you. Um, and, you know, modern medicine, again, lacks a little bit um, in, in these areas because it's not taught. I'll tell you that the, the things that we're talking about today are not even part of the curriculum in medical school. It doesn't even touch on it. They don't touch on complementary health, you know, tools and, and how those might relate to what we do. It's it's very sort of linear. Um, and so, yeah, if you've got blood pressure issues, you might go to your doctor and you try a blood pressure medication. It may not work. So you try another one. And, and medicine recognizes that, you know, one pill may not suit one person versus the next person. But when it comes to things like diet and uh, even exercise types, you know, how do you exercise? Uh, we all tend to think that, you know, to exercise, you've got to go out and go health a level and sweat and, and get this, you know, big sweat on. And yet for some people, that's actually damaging. That, that can be overly stressful on the body and they may need a much more gentle form of exercise. Same thing with diets and food types. Um, and it's hard because you can't go get a diagnostic test that, that tells you what type of exercise and what type of food. There are some tests. Um, more and more now, there's some uh, books are coming out that, try to, to clue you in to your sort of biophysical type um but again they're all they're all slightly different frameworks so it's very difficult and what they all boil down to the same thing is is experiential you have to try something and and be in tune with yourself and and figure out whether that worked for you and what are the markers of it you know quote marks working um and, and what are your goals and if you can do that and and, and get into it then um you can really start to to find those things that work best for you and, and adapt that into your lifestyle. Um, and I think that that's so key for really everybody, but especially first responders, because again, of this incredible strain on the mind and the body that comes along with that type of work, um, even more so, just like you said, the, um, you know, you're on the go, you're, you're running fast. So what do you do? You, you grab fast food, right? And that fast food may be the very, very worst thing for your gut and it affects the gut flow, uh, blood flow badly. You get poor perfusion in the gut. You don't get good health. And we, our body has all these internal sensors that, that tries to create this homeostatic effect. So we, we, we get the right blood flow. And you stimulate it badly in one area, and that tends to then spread through the body and, and leads to this sort of like worsened state. And so every day, if you're taking the job is damaging you, and then the things you do to yourself are not helping and damaging you more, it's a vicious cycle that leads to this you know, really bad state of health. So I, I think you, you raise a really key point is that figuring out what works for you as an individual is, is, is absolutely key. And how do you do that? It's trial and error. You, you just have to you know, get out there and do some things and, and play with it and see what works and what feels good. Right. 
yeah, that makes sense. And it may take, you know, trying many things, right? Like maybe you, your body likes lifting weights. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not a runner, right? I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm a bigger, heavier guy and like, I'm just, I'm not built for running. I'm not a long distance runner. I, I enjoy running. I, I can, I can do it, but I'm, I'm not a distance runner. I've, <laughs> I've run two marathons actually. Uh, one, because me and my brother, when we were younger, decided to do it. And then my wife wanted to do one and she told me I had to train with her and do it. So keep her motivated, man. My legs hurt so bad after mm -hmm. that. And I was like, I can't, I'm not a, I'm not a runner like that. You know, my body does not like it. I have too much weight pounding down on my joints. Like it just, it's not, it, that's not going to work for me to do again. Right. right. <laughs> so I'm like, I know. Like, <laughs> so, um, I I've got, I love yoga. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. Um, my first good experience with yoga that I like to talk about is, uh, I was in the Air Force and I, I was, you know, working out, of course. Of course, when I was younger, I was, you know, I wanted to build muscle and strength, of course, like most people, uh, you know, most guys when they're younger. Right. And uh, I was working out a lot at the gym and my my rotator cuff was bothering me. And there was a free online uh, yoga class on the base. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go do yoga and see if it helps my rotator cuff. And sure enough, I did it for a month or two. And uh couple times a week and I was feeling great. I was feeling stronger. My rotator cuff wasn't giving me any issues. And I just, I was like, this is great, you know? And ever since then, I've been a believer in yoga and I've always wanted to go through and, and learn more about it and do it more. Mm -hmm. Finally, it, within the last year, I was like, you know what? I just need to do this because I need to get back into it. Mm -hmm. I'm getting older. I'm, I'm in my early forties. So my body is starting to tell me like, Hey, like, you know, weightlifting is not important, you know, like, you know, cardiovascular health and range of motion and, you know, all that is important right now, you know, because the older you get, the more important you realize that is right. So uh, exactly. <laughs> excuse me. So uh, I started a program to become a yoga instructor. I, I have my final project I have to do. And I have to I have to write down four outlines for four different classes and then tape myself teaching one of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've really enjoyed it. And one of the things they talk about in one of my yoga teachers was talking about is how you can live much longer without food or water than you can without oxygen. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were teaching some breathing techniques and that really hit home with me, like how, just how important it is to breathe mm -hmm. um, because you can only go what five, six, maybe <laughs> minutes without oxygen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that ties into that idea of blood flow. So what, what's really interesting when you look at yoga thing, uh, and, and there's, I think it's, it's fair to say and get out there, there's, there's yoga and then there's yoga. There's so many types of yoga out there. And some of them truly are more just a calisthenic exercise program, where, you know, putting yourself in poses and being bendy and stretchy. And, and, and that's fair enough. I mean, for some people, that's great. But there's a lot deeper side of yoga um, that, that plays into it. When you go back historically and you look at yoga, it was a lot less about the poses and the movements. And it was a whole lot more about the breathing and the mental work that was done. That was truly the background. A lot of the calisthenic work came out in yoga uh, in the early 1900s. And it was the British Imperial Forces that were in India. 
and the the Indian community were trying to sort of show uh, in a great light their history and what yoga did. Well, at that time, uh, you know, the Swedish had loved this whole idea of, of calisthenic exercises for the military to make them healthier and stronger. There was no great military training program. And oh. so they had these, you might see old pictures of guys, you know, stood in white t-shirts across a parade ground doing calisthenic exercises. So the, the Indian community started building more of that into the yoga world. Uh, interestingly, so the, the history of yoga is truly more about the blood flow and the perfusion than it is anything else. Um, and, and when you look at the, um, we're talking about homeostasis, this idea of the body regulating its blood flow, and, and that's done by something called the autonomic nervous system. And, and that autonomic nervous system has two branches to it. We've got the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So sympathetic nervous system is what drives your fight or flight response. That's the you know, frontline responder getting to a scene, the talk about the adrenaline coming out, that's your sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic is what happens when you have a good meal. It's the healing, it's the rest and digest. It's the the complete sort of, you know, um, opposite of the sympathetic responses in, in every body tissue. So these two nervous systems are balancing each other out in the moment. Yoga with brief breath work has the ability to touch those nervous systems. Normally they're meant to be automatic, like you can't control them. But they, they have sensors for oxygen, they have sensors for blood flow in them, and they're trying to do that regulation. Well, what is one thing you can do consciously? It's change the way you breathe. You can sit there and choose to breathe because we use voluntary muscle to breathe. So if you breathe in a certain way, by choice, you're actually now touching. It's like a key that you can insert into that autonomic nervous system that normally we can't touch and control. And that to me is the core root of yoga and the benefit that comes with it is there's the work that you can do with the autonomic nervous system. It can reduce stress, it can improve mental health, it helps blood flow, can make the gut stronger. We could do a, a yoga class right now for half an hour that would improve the blood flow to your gut. We could do one that would improve blood flow to your kidneys and literally at the end of the class you'd go up and need to pee because the kidneys were made healthy and so then this ability to touch and that's what fascinated me and drew me to yoga when i started and my entry point was just like yours um i was i, I at that time i was dealing with my own stress my, my, you know in my work and um I maladaptively had uh, gravitated to running. You talk about running a marathon and I was addicted to running. I got the runs high and it was my stress relief. And I was foolish in what I was doing you know, to my body, um, but it was keeping me going with the stress. And I injured, I got a high hamstring tendinopathy. I was in agony with this like, hamstring injury from it. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I went to a yoga class. Somebody said, try yoga. And I just happened to be lucky enough to land in a, a yoga lineage that was very, very much about healing and yoga therapy. And so the teacher was like, hey, we can work on this. I'll give you some tips. And I was astounded that this injury that I'd been nursing for so long was, was getting better. And then, and this lineage talks a lot about spine. And with my day job, working with the spine, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes a lot of sense. And, and then I was hooked. And then we got into the blood flow and the anxiety and stress relief. And suddenly I was like, this is the bomb. You know, I don't yeah, need to yeah. run like I was doing. I can run for fun, but not because I need to. And yoga became a savior like that. And that's how that, that's what led me into understanding more about it. Um, but great. again, it's all tied to blood flow is this idea of perfusion. Right. That's really neat to hear that your story is similar to mine where you had an injury and you went to a yoga class, right? right absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I'm glad you talked about yoga being more than just stretching too, because you're right. The breathing techniques, a lot of 
you know, law enforcement learn tactical breathing techniques that have basis in yoga. You right. know, the the two one breathing, square breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you slow your breathing intentionally right. to trick your nervous system into thinking, oh, I don't need to be re- upregulated anymore. You know, yeah, like you were saying, it's like it's like a key saying, right. if you, if you slow your breath, your brain's going to think it no longer needs to be in that fight or flight, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's so useful even outside of, um, you know, first responders, but uh, in the military, you know, fighter pilots, uh, sniper school, that, that's that same concept, that idea of being able to use breathing to regulate that nervous system to create this, this sort of pure calm state when, when needed. Um, and it, it's really, really powerful. Yeah, I just this stuff is, it's so awesome. And if anyone out there is listening, and you're looking for something, try yoga, it's yoga is just a wonderful thing. Uh, the other thing, the other breathing technique I learned, which I think will be great to get your opinion on uh, in my classes so far, is uh, humming bee breathing, where mm-hmm. you, uh, are you familiar with that one, where you, you know, you kind of close your ears, and then you, you do a hum that stimulates your vagus nerve, yeah. and <clears throat> I was kind of reading up on that a little bit, and there's, you know, some people, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it was saying some people that are medication resistant to, for depression and other things, actually have a device that can be installed to stimulate their vagus nerve and help with depression. And so I just found it so interesting that the humming bee breathing kind of does the same thing to calm you down. It works great for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, it's, it's a really good tool. You're right. Um, And we do medically, we implant these devices that stimulate the vagus nerve in the neck. Um, And when you take a a breath tool like that, and interestingly, if you couple the um, humming bee breathing with, some uh, poses in yoga, you know, certain stretches where you're moving the neck in, in advance of that breath work, it sort of amplifies that effect. Again, that's the beauty of yoga in my mind. You can use multiple tools to kind of create that same effect and they, they add together. Um, but yeah, it, it can be really, really uh, potent. And, and interestingly, one of the reasons that that breath technique works so well um, is, is, the, is the introduction of another element that, that we haven't touched on so much, and that's the role of sound. So sound is an energy, right? And if we put energy in the body, that improves blood flow to that body part. We use ultrasound medically to do that same thing. Um, and you can use sound, the sound that you generate to, to, to have those effects. And um, yoga sort of teaches that different sounds, different chants uh, that you can do when you're doing yoga um will create vibration in different parts of the body so just think simply if you were to sing a low note like make a low sound you'd feel it more in your gut low down in the body if you create a high shrill sound you feel it higher up in the neck so you can kind of touch body parts with the sound that you make and when you add sound or breathing um to to the movements again it's this ability to touch different parts of the body and alter the blood flow it, it again comes right back to the idea of perfusion, but using another tool to, to get it. So it's it's really neat. It I mean, this stuff is just so amazing. I mean, anyone listening, I mean, you got to try this stuff. It's it you can feel stress leaving your body when you do some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, like like the yoga stretches. Like right now, uh, in my life, I'm super busy right now. Uh, so I don't have as much time to do a whole lot of yoga as I want. What I'll do is I will just do like four rounds of sun salutations because they're easy and they're quick and they really get the whole body. And it's just enough. You know, it's just enough to keep me from getting too tight until I, you know, in a few weeks, I should be able to get back more into the, Mm -hmm. you know, doing an hour of yoga or something. Um, But 
there are very simple techniques that even if you don't have a lot of time, you can do just like humming bee breathing. If I'm stressed out, I'll be driving in my car and I'll be doing humming bee breathing as I'm driving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. We call them yoga snacks. You know, you don't right. have to like a whole hour and go to a class. You know, you can get a few tools. Um, and, and there are folk around that can that you can go to like a, a private yoga. You could do like a one-on-one yoga class with a, with a teacher and tell them, hey, these are the things that I'm looking for. These are the problems that I have. What what could you give me that's five minutes worth that I could just take away and and do that would help me? Um, so you don't need to commit an enormous amount of time or learning uh, to the process. Yoga can be, you know, just like you don't need to put a little salt on your food. A little bit of salt can really help. And the same thing with yoga. A little bit of yoga can still be really powerful. Um, so it's well worth exploring for anybody that's that's really dealing with any of these issues. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm glad you brought up the sound uh, option. There's there's actually a music therapy place near me here. And oh. I've, I've gone, it's very, and I went and talked to the person there once and let them know I'm doing a podcast and I'm hoping they'll they'll come on and do an episode to talk about what they do with music therapy and sound. Sure. Uh, in the previous episode, uh, our vice president and a counselor was talking about the bilateral processing music mm-hmm. to help, you know, both sides of the brain and uh, just, I mean, it's just so fascinating. Um, Just really good stuff. Uh, Oh, one other thing. So a massage therapist friend of mine was talking about how when you relieve tension in the body and my yoga instructors, as I've gone through class, have talked about this as well. When you release tension from an area through stretching, breathing, massage, whatever it is, this, the stress from the external world that you've stored there actually releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if there's scientific data behind that or not, but. But, but the, you know, it's in the rules, but um, the, the science data is not making the link like it really should to, to the kind of benefits that we're talking about. So the information is out there about what, what kind of happens. And you're right, we, we hold, each person holds stress in their body in different areas. So for a lot of people, neck and shoulders is really common. When we feel stressed, we tend to clamp up and hunch over a little bit. It's a, it's a, a defensive position, right? The, the back becomes that sort of like curling up in a ball position but but we hold a lot of tension there but other people it's the low back how many people suffer back pain Uh, and it's not just because they got mechanical issues with the back it's a lot of times it's stress i I remember a moment in my life where i had an intensely stressful situation that that came on me very very suddenly life-threatening and um i felt adrenaline leave my like adrenal glands i guess i felt this warmth that came out of my flank and then all of a sudden it was like i'd been driven through with a sword through my back like the, the, the agony this momentary severe pain that came right through the low back i remember it was this breathtakingly terrible um and then i realized it was this this adrenaline release i think had just created an intense clampdown of the muscles in the low back and in that moment when a muscle is so clamped down there's no blood flow it's not a healthy situation. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Anything that can improve muscle, or reduce muscle tension uh, can is healthy. It makes the muscle feel better. It improves the blood flow. And it's also stress reducing. Now, what we kind of know about muscles is that muscles have internal sensors in them. Once again, this idea of homeostasis. And those sensors are designed to uh, sense overstretch tightness and what they basically thought to do so if you go and pick up like a super heavy object with your arm 
it's, it's the, the protect you against ripping your bicep muscle, for example. Uh, if the stretch gets too much inside a muscle, it will trigger it to instantly relax and release. And that's why if you try to pick something heavy very often, you'll fail and just give out, right? Um, so those sensors are in the tendons of the muscle or at the end of the muscle belly um, near the bones. So when you get massage, and interestingly, certain yoga poses, they're designed to work in that way, you stimulate those tenderness insertions and it stimulates those receptors that are sensing overstretch, and it tells them, relax the muscle. You're triggering that reflex that's inbuilt in that muscle as a protection, and you can get muscle relaxation. And then the muscle relaxes, the blood flow improves. Once again, you're moving in a healthy direction instead of this vicious cycle of tension and muscle strain and poor blood flow. So yeah, massage is a, you know, a phenomenally useful tool, I think. Um, and you can even do self-massage techniques. You know, when you're feeling stressed, if you're a person who feels it up in the neck, if you take your fingers, um, and obviously it's a little hard on an audio podcast to, to demonstrate, but if you take your fingers across the base of the skull, that hard nub on the back of the skull, right. that's where the neck muscles attach. And if you push and rub really hard, and it's going to be pretty firm, you've got to do it hard, almost a little painfully hard. But as you do that, you'll get this little warmth and tingle down the back of the neck, and you can feel the muscle relax. So some simple tools you can do yourself you don't have to go to a massage therapist although it's nice to but yeah. you know you can use the tools yourself too you know right uh, it's just so interesting and the the massage therapist i talked to is, or is a friend of mine she says when she relieves when she can get through some muscle tension she's had people literally start crying on the table yeah. and i forget what she called it but it's like just a sudden release of emotion from you know, letting go of that stress that the things that were bothering them, they just start crying on the table, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The physical release comes, the mental release almost comes with it, you know? Right, right. So, well, I thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I think it was very informative and, and great to hear, uh, you know, your insight on all this stuff. Um, Hopefully anyone who's listening, uh, maybe you've been motivated to try some of this stuff or make some changes. Uh, thank you for listening. And that's all we've got for you today. Anything else, uh, Dr. Bowman? No, again, thank you for having me on. I think this is a, a great thing you're doing to, to help improve the health and wellness of uh, you know, first-time responders. So this is uh, it's a great program. Uh, thank you very much. All right, well, thanks for listening, listening everyone. Uh, talk to you later.